What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents... The best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chickens. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the... You know what? <laughs> it's only a game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hard-run pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer... To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. And I am contractually obligated to say the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. We are live from the University of Akron. My name is Matt Pamuka. I will be your host this Sunday. I am filling in for my sports director, Jake Murren, who graduated yesterday. So I'm going to give a big congratulatory shout out to him right away. Uh, but I'm not flying solo. You guys know how this show goes. And if you don't, it's a three-person show. So if you're a first-time listener, welcome. But I am joined by a man you've heard on these airwaves multiple times. The only man that believes in the heat culture. Well, until recently, the only man that believes in heat culture. It's Logan Congrove. What's going on? Good morning, Matt. Morning, man. And joining me, he was on the SPT Overtime Mock Draft Series with me. He's Mitch and I have built up quite the chemistry over the past month. It's Mitch Bates. What up, everybody? How's it going? Guys, uh, we got a great show planned today. I, I I'm excited. Are you guys... Oh, I'm thrilled. You know, it, it's a gloomy day here in Akron. You know, it's gray uh, right right out the window right there. No, no sun at all. But I think this show is going to give our listeners a big ray of sunshine. Uh, but let's get right into it. So the last hour of the show, it's going to be jam-packed with NBA playoffs from the Denver Nuggets and the Suns, Lakers, Warriors, Sixers, Celtics, Heat and Knicks, all coming up in the last hour. At 11.30, we're going to talk all things Major League Baseball. We're also going to touch on Bronny James committing to USC and our uh, and our hot mic segment where you guys can still ask us questions. There's still time to submit your questions. Go to our Twitter at Z88Sports. Get those questions in to ask. And, but right off the rip, we're going to go in the NFL. You know, the draft was last week, but there's still plenty of new headlines and right off the rip we're going to talk about New York Giants defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence signing a four-year extension worth 90 million dollars with the club 60 million guaranteed uh, he's a 25 year old defensive tackle coming off his first all-pro season so I will throw it to you guys first your guys thoughts on the Giants extending Dexter Lawrence yeah I think it's a great move uh, Dexter Lawrence is one of those big guys in the middle you got to make sure you pay the big guys in the middle and Dexter Lawrence has provided a little bit of energy for a defense that was very dry on energy for a long time. And it seems like now they're starting to build up a way better defense overall. And I'm, I'm happy for the Giants because I feel like the Giants are a team that everyone can root for. Dexter seems like the kind of guy that 
He, he's a big happy guy. Oh, not yeah. Not on the field. But. And, and you brought up the energy. I heard this uh, saying the other day, if you're juiceless, you're useless. And, you know, he, <laughs> Dexter Lawrence is definitely one of those guys that bring the juice. It's always It, it takes on a different meaning when you have just a 300-pound specimen of an individual that can, like, get you fired up as energetic as he can be. Uh, Logan, any thoughts from you? Yeah, I think this is a great move for the Giants as well. As Mitch mentioned, the Giants are a team that everybody can really root for. And the Giants have historically always had a great defense, but like Mitch mentioned as well, it's been down the last couple of years. But now that the Giants are finally starting to take that jump and be a little bit more of a successful team again, it's good to see them bringing back these great players like Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, the 25-year-old, he held out a voluntary workout in order to uh, hopefully get a new extension done because the franchise did pick up his fifth-year option. Uh, and, you know, he got his wish. Uh, $60 million of that is guaranteed, which is uh it's incredibly large for a defensive tackle because that's typically one of the least valued positions in football. Uh, so congratulations to Dexter Lawrence on getting that much-deserved extension. Uh, but we're going to stick with uh, a New York team right here. We didn't get much of a chance to talk about it last week on SPT when I was on because the NFL draft took a bulk of the show. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers, officially a New York Jet now, and he's kind of in that sweet honeymoon phase with New York, uh, the New York media, and everything about it. You know, you see him courtside at all the Knicks games. You see him courtside at the Rangers games. Everyone seems to love him. You cannot go on Instagram without seeing a video of him throwing a pass in shorts and a T-shirt. <laughs> uh, Jets fans are having a frenzy right now. Uh, so, you know, guys, I want to ask you this. Everyone seems to be really high on the Jets right now, immediately following the trade. Uh, but, you know, how do you guys see them? Like, how do you see them sitting in the AFC and their division itself? Because this conference... Uh, it's it's absolutely stacked. So I want to get your guys' thoughts on where the Jets are in the AFC and in their division in the AFC East. Oh, I think the Jets, I think the hype on the Jets is legitimate. I think that they're a team that can finally make a push. Now they have a quarterback. They don't have some guy like Zach Wilson who nobody respects, nobody trusts. Aaron Rodgers is one of the most proven and respected quarterbacks in the league. And bringing in guys like Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, great signings for them. Well, they're all mm-hmm. old. Like, doesn't matter, though. Okay. It's a chemistry thing. Okay. It's a chemistry right. thing. The Jets, that's one thing that they've lacked for years. Now they have a quarterback with his guys, although they may be old, will be much more successful with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback alone. That can alone we, makes them a better team. Can we just talk about like Aaron Rodgers being like the ultimate bro, getting your boys paid in New York <laughs> City when they probably shouldn't be. Like should these be guys these guys should be getting like veteran minimums for like a training camp team. But no, <laughs> no, he got him a New York City penthouse. So I mean, uh Mitch, any thoughts from you on Aaron Rodgers officially going to the Jets and how they shake up in the AFC? Yeah, I'm going to go another way with it. I don't know how successful this is going to be. And for the reason of how is the offense that he's on now that much different from the one he was on in Green Bay? Not very. Like, Nathaniel Hackett is their OC. Yeah. <laughs> it's. It, I just see barely any differences. And I see a defense that has talent but is unproven. And, of course, you got Buffalo in that division, so it's always going to be a test well, when and you the, play And them. the uh, Miami, they just got Jalen Ramsey for nothing. Yeah, it's like, – and, like, again, I know, you know, our super fan, Jake Murnigo, thinks I'm a Tua Tugavailoa hater, but, I mean, I'm anything <laughs> but that. I mean, Tua had the Dolphins in playoff contention. They made the playoffs, and he has the fastest receivers in the league to throw to. Like, I mean – this division's not a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination, and the AFC is just absolutely loaded. Like, I want to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read off 11 quarterbacks right now, and I want you to keep in mind four of these guys will not be in the playoffs: Josh Allen, Tua Tagovailoa, Aaron Rodgers, 
Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Four of those guys are, are going to be sitting on their couches when the playoffs roll around. Wow. Russell Wilson, one of them? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think Garoppolo's kind of like... Garoppolo's guaranteed yeah. to be. Yeah, I'm pretty. Just, there's no disputing that. Yeah. Okay, so are you a, a Russell Wilson hater? For those of you on, who haven't listened to the show before, Russell Wilson not. slander? Of course not. No, no, oh, no, no. oh, I wanted to Russell Wilson slander. <laughs> I'm a Seahawks fan who can appreciate what Russell Wilson did for the team. I don't have any hate for him. Oh, I'm a Russell Wilson hater. Yeah, I think really? he's trash. Broncos country. Let's ride. That's high. <laughs> yeah, you see, he flipped a golf cart the other day. Like he, he. <laughs> He was golfing at this golf course in Denver, and there was a sand trap, quite literally, in the middle of the fairway. It's not one of those ones that's, like, hidden off. He was looking for his golf ball, and he just drove into the bunker and flipped the golf cart. <laughs> him him, and the passenger were unharmed, but, I mean, like... It's a recap of the Broncos season right there. Exactly. And Russell Wilson just looking to his right and to his left for his Pro V1, and then, you know, all of a sudden he's upside down in a bunker. Uh, uh, but, yeah, so... While we're on the topic of Russell Wilson and like Aaron Rodgers, uh, last offseason we saw Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jack uh, and Russell Wilson, sorry, uh, get uh, you know uprooted from a team they were the franchise cornerstone of uh, to their to a new home. So, do those trades make you guys uh, skeptical at all for this Aaron Rodgers deal with the New York Jets? No, I don't think so. I think. Like I mentioned, Aaron Rodgers is a proven guy, although the Jets are not proven. I see your point with Russell Wilson going over there, and it didn't really work out the first season. There could maybe be some growing pains, but I I just don't see the Jets not being successful this season. But I mean, like, that division is so, so tough. Like, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. like you, have to play, you have to play Allen and Tua twice a year and Bill Belichick twice a year. I mean, by no stretch is that a cakewalk. Right. And I think they're playing a fourth-place schedule, a fourth-place schedule. They're playing the Browns this year, too. I forget. I think they play the AFC South also, so that's that's a free win. But, like, <laughs> that's seven games right there against teams that are, like, are going to be in contention for a wild-card spot. I mean, this AFC uh, conference, like, the conference this year is just going to be an absolute bloodbath. For I, sure. Like, I think the wild card round in the AFC is going to be more competitive than any round uh, in the NFC playoffs this season. But, I mean, you know, you guys have any final thoughts about Aaron Rodgers or the New York Jets before we uh, pivot here? J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. 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 Okay. <laughs> well, okay. I hope he's successful. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I think you know, he's going to be... Uh, he and the New York media, I'm very uh, excited to see how that relationship goes uh, because he's very susceptible to some, uh, I don't want to call them conspiracy theories, but I will call them conspiracy theories. So it'll be fun to see how he handles the New York media. Uh, but switching over to a quarterback that is pretty good at handling the media, uh, it's Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson officially signed his five-year, $260 million extension with the Baltimore Ravens this week, and at his press conference, he was asked about his new wide receivers, Odell Beckham Jr. and Zay Flowers. Logan, you were saying something? I just said, ugh. Oh, I don't like Odell. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so uh, Lamar Jackson was asked about this team, and you know, uh, here's, here's the quote he said. With, uh, he said, given the weapons, I want to throw for 6,000 yards this season. Okay. No, I mean, that was much more of a lighthearted joke type thing, but it did it, it did poke the question in me. 
Do you guys think, obviously 6,000 yards, that's pretty much undoable. I did the math this morning. So currently the league record for passing yards in a season is 5,477 by Peyton Manning in 2013. If Lamar Jackson wanted to hit uh, 6,000 passing yards this year, he would need to average 353 passing yards a game at minimum. And to make matters worse, he only has one game in his career where he's thrown for over 300 yards. (laughs) So he would need 17 straight career performances to just shatter an NFL record owned by probably the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, But uh, I want to throw it back to you guys. Uh, Do you guys think this Ravens offense could be top three to five in this league? Maybe... Let's start with the AFC because we just discussed how loaded the conference is. A three to five, top three to five offense in the conference would get them very far. Sure, if Odell plays more than three games, if Odell can actually stay on the field, if Odell can play football, if Odell wasn't a loser, if Odell wasn't my least favorite player of all time, if Odell wasn't a crybaby, if Odell respected people, if Odell wasn't my least favorite person of all time. Strictly analysis, no ad hominems here. No, no, no. All all analytics. Are, oh, straight all analysis, stats. all analytics, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the same could be said about Lamar Jackson on the field. I mean, you know, True. he missed the last seven games this season. He missed the back half of the 2021 season. Uh, but, like, this Ravens team, it's their calling card to start off hot in September. And, like, if I look at... If they can get through training camp with no major injuries, obviously, I think Rashard Bateman, Beckham, Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins, all with Lamar Jackson, that could be a very, very lethal offense to start off the year because you know Baltimore, they always start off hot. That's their calling card. And then when November, December rolls around, their injury reports start to look like receipts from CBS. <laughs> uh, so you know, any thoughts on you guys from what the Baltimore Ravens can do uh, with this, with their new weapons. All seriousness, if they stay healthy, they are the most talented offense in the AFC North for sure, and I would probably put them in the top three of the AFC. If all their all their health problems go away, everybody stays good the whole season, then yes, they are going to be an extremely successful team. The good old Cleveland Browns on paper argument. Oh. I have I have decided, and I know we'll get into this later, Matt. I have mm-hmm. decided. I do not. I am not going to get my hopes up about the Browns this season. I, I'm not either. I just. I'm tired of it. I'm too. Uh, Mitch, any thoughts from you on what the uh, Baltimore Ra- uh, Baltimore Ravens can do? Yeah, I enjoy this Baltimore Ravens offense. And as far as top three to five in the AFC, I can definitely see it. When we're talking about the entire league, I think that's a different story, possibly. And I think it all lies on Lamar Jackson. Like When Lamar Jackson leaves this offense and you put Tyler Huntley in that spot, this offense drops to bottom five. Hey, Snoop Huntley is a Pro Bowl quarterback because the fans can vote on the Pro Bowl and and it actually has no meaning anymore. That is why the Pro Bowl means nothing. Yes. Because Tyler Huntley was in a Pro Bowl. That says enough. And hey, he almost won a playoff game. If like Trey, it was Sam Hubbard that punched the ball out as he was reaching for the goal line. If Sam Hubbard didn't make the play of his life, who's to say Tyler Huntley doesn't have a playoff win under his belt? But he did. He That's did true. make that That's play. True. And Tyler Huntley, I, I saw some Ravens game, some Ravens games with Tyler Huntley at quarterback, and it just it felt like that offense. I went to no two momentum. of them. I've been in the past two years when the Browns have played the Ravens. Tyler Huntley's played. Well, twenty twenty one was when Lamar got hurt, but you know Tyler Huntley came in the second half, uh, basically pulled off a twenty point comeback by himself. I don't want to talk about that. But then I also saw him play uh, 
uh, this December when you know it was the 13 to 3 barn burner in uh, 15 degree weather. Uh, one of the worst experiences of my life. But <laughs> yeah, I was. There <laughs> it was too. so cold. Uh, but yeah, no, Tyler Huntley. Uh, there is a huge <laughs> drop off between him and Lamar Jackson. I completely agree. I mean, Lamar is the you know, he, he's a 2019 MVP of this league. He is one of the most dynamic players when he can stay healthy. And you know, the last time he played a full season, the Ravens won the AFC North. So I think it's very possible to say that this team could be top three to five in the conference if, you know, given uh, they stay healthy. Anything more from you guys? Yeah, I would absolutely agree with you, Matt. I think health is the key for the Ravens here. If they stay healthy, then they're going to be one of the best teams in the NFL. That's unfortunately crazy to think. I mean, like, say. our division's so stacked. Yes. It's not fun. But you know what? I say our division because, well, two-thirds of us are Cleveland Browns fans here. And the Browns have made some headlines this week. They have signed veteran safety Rodney McLeod. McLeod's played 11 seasons in the NFL after going undrafted. He has played. Uh, he spent time with the Rams, Eagles, and played with the Colts last year. And he's played under defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz uh, for the past several seasons. Uh, so I'm going to get your guys' thoughts on the signing of Rodney McLeod. I think this helps the Browns a lot. The Browns have been continuing to bolster their defense, and this is a great signing for them. McLeod, obviously, veteran presence, good in the locker room, and I think he'll fit well with Jim Schwartz's scheme. Hopefully, the Browns aren't the Browns, and this ends up being great for us. Yeah, That's the best way to put it. Yeah. Well, you know, Mitch, he's played for a division rival of yours before, so you know, you might have a different uh, perspective on Rodney McLeod. So yeah, anything on him? Yeah, Rodney McLeod, I don't think that signing meant much as far as the Browns on the field on Sundays. But as mm. far as the locker room goes, I think it was a decent signing. And I like the Browns. I'll support the Browns always unless they're playing Seattle. And I want them to be successful. So I hope... He does make a few plays when he gets some time on Sundays, even though they have Juan Thornhill, mm-hmm. so he probably will not play over him unless there's an injury. Right. But I enjoy it for their locker room. I think getting veterans in there, because the Browns are very young in certain spots on that team, I think it'll help them out in the long run. Mitch, where did your fandom from the Seahawks come from? I'm going to be honest, oh, completely no. honest. Oh, no. Because I've never said this on air before. Oh, start I record. Everyone record right now. <laughs> I have to be honest. I became a fan during the Super Bowl year where they beat the Broncos. And Boo. here's the thing. Here's no. the thing. I became a fan, so you could call me a bandwagon even though I was you very know, young. At least you're honest about it, I've though. stuck with them. That's my point. Through, And I'm going to stick with them for the rest of my life. That's why I think it's okay. I picked the team, okay. and I'm just sticking with them. Have they had... They've only had, like, two losing seasons since you've, like, followed them. That's, like... Mm-hmm. Good for you, man. Good <laughs> Must for you. Must be nice. It was, it was, look, it was I went Richard to f- Sherman, Marshawn Lynch, guys like that attracted me to I went home. to three games during the 0-16 season, and I still come back every year. I saw Kevin Hogan start an NFL game. Who was that guy like Charlie Whitehurst? Charlie Whitehurst. I was at that game. I saw that. Well, that was the game. We signed, so, funny story about that. We signed Charlie Whitehurst the Wednesday before that game because our other quarter, our other third string quarterback went on IR. So Deshaun Kaiser got hurt in the game. And then Cody Kessler had to come in. Cody Kessler got hurt in the game. And then Charlie Whitehurst had to come in who had had two days to learn the playbook. And then uh, he got hurt. And then Terrell Pryor, who was playing wide receiver at the time, <laughs> had to play emergency quarterback for the final seven minutes of the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, it's it's been difficult being a Browns fan. It's taken years off my young life. You know, Mitch, I kind of envy you. I, I should have picked 
I should have picked the best team when I was in like fourth grade too. Yeah, I mean we could be twelves together. Hey, you, we are always welcoming. We're a beautiful fan base. We well, you know, we, we you know we, we play you guys this year. Browns play Seattle this year. They play the NFC West. It's in Seattle, isn't it? It should be. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thinking about actually going to that game. You're going to fly mm-hmm. six hours to go watch a team that plays forty five minutes from you. Nah, no, it might. I'm. It might not be the Browns, but I okay. am going to go to see Seattle this year in it, person. Maybe they have like. Are they like at Pittsburgh or something? That might seem way cheaper. That's the one I went to. I've gone to Detroit and Pittsburgh. Okay, I, I want to keep switching it up, and I want to go to a Seahawks home game. I feel like the okay, environment. I mean, well, you can't recreate it. They have to be either if they're not in Cleveland, they have to be in two of the three places. They Cincinnati, are in Detroit, Cincinnati, Baltimore, or Pittsburgh. Hmm. Yeah, so they're they're in two of those places if they're not in Cleveland. I've got a two games. I need to go to a home game. That has to happen. All right, that's fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, <laughs> uh, back to Rodney McLeod here. Logan, I forgot. Did you say anything on the signing yet? Yes, sir. Okay. Sorry. I just I blanked out there. We're talking about the 12s, <laughs> You're good. and it's just, okay. Uh, but no, I, I really do like the Rodney McLeod signing. He's played strong safety and free safety in the league before. I think he's going to be a decent backup to uh, a Grant Elpit or Juan Thornhill, you know, you don't want either of those guys to go down, but if he does, I think you're certainly not uh, deteriorating in the quality of safety play. And you know he can like he could play slot corner too. I know like that's one thing I keep looking at to see. You know, Greg Newsom maybe or maybe not requested a trade because of his frustrations playing in the slot. So every time we sign a defensive back, I'm like, okay, would this move Greg Newsom out of the slot and make Greg Newsom happy? And let's check those boxes. So I I really do like this. It's a uh, Good veteran presence in the locker room, very cheap deal. Uh, but shifting towards a guy that's not a veteran who's still on his rookie contract, uh, left tackle Jedrick Wills, uh, the ninth overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. He had his fifth-year option picked up. He will be with the team this season and next season. So I want to get your guys' thoughts on Jed Wills' fifth-year option. I'm just not huge on this guy, honestly. He, I thought this was such a slam-dunk pick when they picked him in 2020. And they picked him like two spots ahead of Tristan Wirfs. Yes. He's one of the best tackles in the league. I just think that he hasn't shown enough for me to really fully buy into him. He's always hurt. Always hurt. His body language doesn't do him any favors. <laughs> no. I think I think he's a very serviceable player. I'd put him a lot yeah. I'd put him around league average and you know, with what his cap hit's going to be, I think he'd be like the seventeenth highest paid tackle in the league that year. So I mean like is it the worst it could no. be. It could be worse, but I'm just not super sold. And no, and I think uh, Akron alum Ken Carmen he put it in the favorite way ever. Jed Wills he likes to do like quiet quitting on the field where it's like he will do his pass pros for about three seconds and then he'll just stop. <laughs> it's like okay, I put in my time. And you know I'm curious how that's going to work with Deshaun Watson this year because you know Deshaun's you know calling card is performing out of structure, and when your left tackle kind of just says I'm done, yeah. Uh, he, might not be the best thing to protect your quarter billion dollar <laughs> investment. Uh, Mitch, any thoughts from you on uh, the Jed Wills option? Yeah, I feel the same as Logan does. It's He's just so inconsistent when he actually is healthy. And with left tackle, that's one of the most important positions on the offensive line because the edge rushers in the league, they're getting scarier and scarier by the year. And 
I I didn't think they were going to pick up that option, and I don't think they should have. Well, they took it right down to the wire too, and like I understand, like they've drafted other tackles before to try to like you know light a fire under him. I, like I think of James Hudson, and I think of Dewan Jones just the other day, whose nickname's Big Thanos. I would love Big Thanos to play left tackle for this team if uh, if people <laughs> think he could. That's a real option though, and uh, yeah, I, I I hope so down the road. I think that's what it'll become because the inconsistency of this guy, he'll either get hurt, and I hope he doesn't, just to put well, that No, he's, he's had ankle injuries the past couple of years. I mean, like, I, I, I don't think you're wishing injury on him. You're bringing up a right. very obvious concern. Right, and it's just, I think Dewan Jones, he fell for health reasons, if I'm not wrong, in the draft. It was... It was weight issues, and apparently he said he wanted to play in the NBA. Oh, okay. and it's like, buddy, you you weighed in at three hundred and eighty pounds. You're not playing in the NBA. <laughs> what is he talking about? I don't. Okay. That's they asked him like pre-draft <laughs> interviews. Like the big question was like, do you love football? And they're like, and he's like, ah, oh, man, I, my dreams to be in the NBA. Uh, nice. Well, it's like Miles Garrett's also said the same thing, and he's like a top two edge rusher in the league. So. Yeah, uh, well, I'm not going to pair compare Dewan Jones to Miles Garrett. No, 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 I didn't mean. I was just. Uh, <laughs> I got you. Weird but, question. Yeah, as far as the fifth year option, I don't think it was the right move, but it's not the worst move. But we'll see how that turns out. Well, uh, and then you know that was a choice by Andrew Barry, popular, unpopular, who knows? But Andrew Barry also went on a little bit of a media tour with local media this week. He was on ESPN 850 in Cleveland this week on May 4th, and he said. And I quote, there may be some other things that we're looking to do, either on the veteran market or the trade market over the next several weeks. And so that got me thinking, if you were Andrew Barry or you're the Cleveland Browns, what moves would you guys make, if any, before trading camp opens up in August? I'm looking at options for Donovan Peoples-Jones. There's got to be a team out there that would want something or give us something for him. I like that. I See, I like that a lot, and I want to play into... Uh, I'll let Mitch go, and then I'll play into what you brought up because gotcha. I think that's a perfect segue. Yeah, it was tough for me to think about what they should do because I feel like they've made plenty of moves, and I feel like, yeah. for the most part, this team should be set to go for the next season. And mm. I do actually enjoy the thought of trading Donovan Peoples-Jones for anything at this point. So I'm, I'm going to see where the, you two and go with that. It's not even that I dislike him. I actually have dude's jersey. But I just yeah. don't think we need him anymore. Oh, I think the Cedric Tillman pick, is, uh, that's yeah. basically his replacement. I mean, and so what that kind of brings up to, like DeAndre Hopkins, you know, that's kind of cooled down as of late. It's looking like he's not going to get traded, but what I think is probably likely, he's going to be a post-June 1st, uh, uh, he's going to be cut, basically. Post-June 1st, the Arizona Cardinals would save pretty much the entirety of of his contract for this year. They would get it off the books completely. It wouldn't penalize them. I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a free agent on June 1st. I could see it. And I think he might want to reunite with his boy Deshaun Watson one last time because Hopkins is going to be 31 this season. And then if you get DeAndre Hopkins, he'd play X, Cooper would play Z, uh, DPJ would be completely phased out at X. Elijah Moore? Moore's going to play your your slot Slot, receiver. So so it's going to be... Uh, Hopkins or Tillman on the outside, Amari Cooper to the boundary, and then Elijah Moore in the slot. And then, that sounds so much fun. I, I want this to happen now. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, I think 
if DeAndre Hopkins frees up, I love the idea of getting him for nothing outside of a few dollars. And we know Jimmy Haslam's a big spender now. Uh, but yeah, that's going to wrap up, guys, our first segment of SPT this week. Uh, we'll be right back in a couple minutes. Thank you. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk, everybody. My name's Matt Permuka, and I am your host. Uh, we are about to discuss all things Cleveland Guardians and Major League Baseball. But before that, let me introduce who's on on the show with me. Uh, to my right, he's the token Miami Heat fan of this of this organization. It's Logan Congrove. What's going on, guys? And to my left, he's the man that's been with me in all these SPT Overtime Mock Draft Series. It's Mitch Bates. Good morning, everyone. All right, guys. Well, let's get right into it. The Cleveland Guardians, they're kind of... Uh, Driving the struggle bus right now. Not not fun to watch. They currently sit 15 and 18 on the year. They've dropped to third in the AL Central, but they're only half a game back for Detroit for second place. And they are three and a half games behind the Twins for first. So yeah, any any thoughts on the Guardians' struggles overall before we recap their series against the Yankees and their series against the Twins? And they're looking rough. It's it's unfortunate because the Guardians coming off of the season. Like, everybody thought they were going to be fabulous again this year. And they got Josh Bell. They thought Josh Bell was going to be some huge signing. Josh Bell has yet to really produce much, in my opinion. I think that's very fair. I mean, up until, what, middle of April, his batting average wasn't even 100 yet. I right. mean, he's, he's kind of picked it up. But, I mean, again, very inconsistent from what was supposed to be your uh, token signing in the offseason. I mean, you know... I, Guardians fans, much like myself, we were really high on the idea of getting Sean Murphy here, and then that didn't happen. And uh, especially to our pitching, yes, our pitching is terrible. It's it's really bad right now. Mitch, anything for you on the uh, Guardians struggle bus campaign before we get into a recap? Well, everyone knows me to be the biggest baseball fan here at WZIP. Aren't we all? I think we're all like we're, we're all <laughs> such baseball purists up here. Nah, but we love it. No, it it does stink to see the Guardians be so inconsistent because they're a Cleveland team. I tend to try to support Cleveland teams, and I have heard the Josh Bell things though, and that's been a conversation in my household of of someone who's supposed to yeah. be this big ticket player for us, and then kind of disappointing. Seems like a Cleveland theme sometimes, but. It, yeah. yeah, yeah, he is always inconsistent, and he is uh, he's sticking with those inconsistencies here right now. Uh, but yeah, let's recap their series against the Yankees from earlier this week. It was a three-game series. They won game one, three to two. Uh, Cal Quantrill, though, uh, struggled yet again. Surprise, surprise. Uh, they trailed all game, essentially, but in the ninth inning, they had a three-run effort. Josh Naylor started it off with a two-run RBI double to tie the game, and Mike Zanino was locked with walked with the bases loaded for the go-ahead run, and uh, the Guardians uh, closed them out in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, game two, Guardians again. They, oh, they lost 4-2. to two. They took an early 2 nothing lead after Josh Naylor and Andre Zimenez each had RBIs in the third inning. Uh, the offense just completely disappeared at that one hit the rest of the game. Uh, Yankees scored two in the sixth, and they each had a run in the seventh and eighth, and they closed it out in the top of the ninth. And game three of the series, they lost four to three. Once again, they jumped out to a 2 nothing lead, this time with Josh Bell and Jimenez hitting RBIs. Uh, but the Yankees tied it two in the fifth inning after a pair of solo home runs off Shane Bieber. Uh, the Guardians took a 3-2 lead in the ninth, but the Yankees tied it in the bottom of the ninth, and then Jose Trevino walked it off in the bottom of the tenth. So... Anything from you guys off of this series of a team that 
I think we all pretty much despise. I do despise the Yankees. I really do. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the Guardians looked the Guardians looked up to par in this series. I would say, mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, I was very upset in the ten inning game that they blew. Oh, with that, yeah. Well, they blew a lead in all these games except yeah. the first one. Yeah. And like the Yankees, like the Yankees right now, they're last in the ALE. The Yankees are like. Aaron, considered to be the most underperforming team. I mean, in the Aaron league. Judge is on the 15 day uh, injured list. He didn't play at all this series. I that, mean, like that's embarrassing for the Guardians. And like well, my roommate's a Yankee fan, and you know he keeps me up with all of this by force. I I do not ask him about the New York Yankees right now, but I mean, apparently like three or three to five of their starters right now were just called up from their AAA team in Scranton. Eesh. It is yeah, like New York is on the struggle bus right there too, and you know like. Usually, when you like, usually what the Guardians would do last time, like last year, when they caught a team on a rough stretch, they mm-hmm. made it harder for them. And yeah, you know, that's, like they're not doing that yet this year. Uh, Mitch, anything from you on the struggles against the Yankees in that series? Yeah, you can tell that a team is on the struggle bus when they're playing a team that has several injuries and they are choking leads against them. Yeah, with their healthier lineup. Yeah, and. It does stink to see the inconsistency and not be able to perform from start to finish, which is important in any sport you play, and clearly the Guardians don't have that right now. And everyone here despises the Yankees, so it hurts a little bit extra right there, but hopefully they can start to pick that back up and find a little bit of momentum, hopefully. Yeah. I mean... In all seriousness, I mean, like, I, I do hate the New York Yankees. Like, during, the, like, the uh, playoffs last year, I really, like, I was into it, not just because it was a Cleveland team, but because we were playing New York. And I made a list of, like, teams I hated the most. And it goes Pittsburgh Steelers, New York Yankees, significant, significant, significant drop-off, Golden State Warriors, Kevin Durant, Cincinnati Bengals. Kevin Durant. Just make sure there's just after the significant Kevin drop off. Durant. It is like the Yankees are up there in a class of their own in terms of just uh, my personal hatred. They're disgusting. I know it's just uh, that little little league park in the Bronx. Like, <laughs> how is your right field fence like only three hundred and fifteen feet? That's not fair. No, it's not fair at all. All right, but uh, let's get into it. Uh, the Guardians' other series, they're currently in the midst of the Minnesota Twins. Game one was Friday night. The Guardians lost 2 nothing. Peyton Battenfield made his fifth start of the year after he was called up from AAA Columbus the day before. Uh, he went seven innings with seven strikeouts, only allowed two hits, uh, but both of them were two runs. So, uh, were both two run, sorry, two solo home runs in the uh, sixth inning. Uh, you know, I think this game kind of had... The story of the Guardian season, where if the pitch, if the starting pitching did well, uh, the offense just didn't exist, and if the offense does well, pitching quality doesn't exist. Yep. And you get shut out at home, two nothing against the division rival. I mean, this is what dropped you out of second place in the division. Uh, very, very frustrating game to watch. Uh, was not not a fun way to spend a Friday night. No. And it hasn't been recently for any Guardians game. Yeah, a fun way to spend any night. Well, I, I'd argue. Well, I'd argue last night. So last night, Guardians won uh, four to three. Uh, the fourth inning of this game was absolutely bonkers. There's no other way to put it. Did you guys like? 
you guys see any of this at all? It was absolutely crazy. It was a crazy game. Yes. All right. So in the fourth inning alone, all right, the Guardians took a 3 nothing lead. They had two infield base hits. One of them resulted in an RBI off an errored throw. Uh, they scored a run because Miles Straw was walked with the bases loaded. And the Twins manager, after arguing a call with the umpire, was ejected. Uh, the Twins would then go on to tie the game at three uh, sparingly throughout the rest of the game. And then Stephen Kwan hit his first home run of the season last night in the bottom of the seventh to retake the lead four to three. And the Guardians held on to uh, eventually win the game. So last night, that was one of the most like nostalgic Guardians games in a while because like, that looked like what they did last year. Uh, any thoughts on you guys from just uh, you know that hectic fourth inning or just the game overall last night? Definitely, I think, provides some energy for the Guardians coming into the rest of the series and the rest of the season now that they have some excitement. Stephen Kwan's getting a home run, which is something we've wanted to see all season. Yeah. I think it's great for the Guardians to have a little bit of excitement, and hopefully they can carry it over. Mitch, anything from you? Yeah, the key word for me has been momentum for this team. It's There's no consistency when you look at pretty much every aspect of this team. They're 4-6 and six in their last 10 games. I feel like they need to ride the momentum wave all the way, and it feels good to see them get a win, like you said, nostalgic one at that, and hopefully they can continue that today when they play the Twins. Yeah, so uh, Game 3 of the series is today at 140. Uh, any thoughts on how you guys see that going? I mean, I- I'd love to get a win. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll see how, how much of an effect last night had on them, given their performance today. Logan, anything on what to expect today? Yeah, I think if they carry the momentum over and the weather permits, I think it'll be a good game for the Guardians. You know, Jake Murren's out there today, so maybe they'll get a win for Jake Murren. Go, Jake Murren. Indeed. Good for you, man. <laughs> a little grad present. Yeah. All right, uh, but then let's get into some other uh, Guardians roster transactions. Uh, Zach Plesak, struggling starting pitcher all season, has been optioned to AAA Columbus. Uh, Peyton Battenfield was called up. Uh, we talked about it earlier. He pitched in the first game against the Twins, went seven innings with seven strikeouts, but still lost 2 nothing. Uh, the Guardians rotation this season, it's been decimated by injury. I look no further than Tristan McKenzie. And we've had eight pitchers at least make starts this season. So, I mean, when McKenzie finally gets healthy, and after seeing a bunch of these guys from the minors play in the big leagues, what is your guys' ideal rotation for this Guardians team when the summer kicks off uh, and, you know, hopefully everyone's back healthy? I still think the Guardians can make a push. It'll be an uphill climb, unfortunately. Yeah. But I still think that the Guardians have a chance to be successful this season if the circumstances align. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I think the circumstances aligning, I mean, this team's calling card has been pitching. So as soon as you can get that rotation healthy, I mean, I would absolutely love to see a starting five. Shane Bieber, you know, your Cy Young winner. Tristan McKenzie, hopefully he's back sooner than later and he's, uh, you know, back to his prime form. I mean, he was incredibly solid at the end of last season. Uh, he was supposed to carry that in this season, and then you know the injury hit. So I would love him to be your two-starter. Logan Allen would be my three-starter just because I think you need a lefty in the rotation much earlier than what you currently have him at four. Uh, Tanner Bybee, again, phenomenal rookie debut. If he, can, can, if he makes two or three more impressive starts, I would love to see him as a permanent piece in the rotation. And number five, I think Peyton Battenfield should be your fifth starter just because I cannot watch another game of Zach Plesak and or Cal Quantrill right. ever again in my life. I, I've i grown to despise whenever those two are on the mound. 
But yeah, um, guys, we, we're, we're decimated by injuries, basically. We're inconsistent. It's not looking good right now for the Guardians as of May 7th at 11.44 a.m. Uh, but do you guys still think this team has a shot to win the AL Central? Or are they still your favorites to win the division? Mm, no, honestly. I hate to say it, but no. I think it'll be tough between the Twins and the Guardians, but I see the Twins winning this. That's fair. Mitch, anything? Yeah, I agree 100% with that. I couldn't see them getting past the Twins to win this division. And with how inconsistent everything has been for the Guardians, I see them coming up a little bit short. Well, the beauty of baseball is we still have like 130 (laughs) games left. So Love baseball. Exactly. Uh, Again, I don't think they could win the division right now as currently constructed again the inconsistencies injuries to the rotation and just the inconsistencies of the rotation as a whole uh, not doing you any favor uh, favors but the month of may gets much easier for them uh, so after they play the twins today they will have three series against detroit the angels and the white Sox. those are their next three opponents all those teams are bottom feeders i mean outside of like unless you have to uh, go against shohei otani on the mound i think those are that's that's a very winnable way to get six to seven wins right then and there. I think three weeks' time, we could be looking at this Guardians team completely different, and I hope that's the case. Uh, but, you know, right now, if I had to project what they are doing now onto the rest of the season, I don't think there's a way they win the AL Central. I agree. Right. Uh, so that, <laughs> enough of the uh, depressing <laughs> Guardians talk. Let's get into uh, Jake Murren's favorite segment, the MLB Player of the week. Logan, I will throw it to you first. I know you love this segment so oh, much. Gosh, make sure, make sure you keep up with baseball. I know, right? <laughs> so who is your MLB player of the week? And be as enthusiastic All as right. you possibly can. My MLB player of the week. This is such an intricate pick. And actually, you know what? I'm going to even play this up. It is the worst team in baseball. The worst stadium in baseball. The worst franchise in baseball. Possibly in sports. But... My player of the week comes from them this week, and it's Brent Rooker of the Oakland Athletics. Five home runs, 11 RBIs. I think it's been a great week for him, so that's that's going to be my pick there. I Very love solid. baseball, and I love the athletics. Baseball. Oakland baseball. Yeah, did the you Coliseum see, like, with all the possums running well, around. Well, did you see they're offering 30 games for $100? That is so bad. I know. In California, too. Our goal at Akron City FC this summer is to outdraw their attendance one time. Outsell, outs, outsell the athletics? Outsell the athletics. Honestly, like, is, I think it's possible you guys hit 6,000 because then you would outsell the athletics past <laughs> weekend series. Boy, we your, hope. Your target number is 6,000. Uh, Mitch, your MLB player of the week. All right. Everyone knows I love baseball so much, <laughs> and I'm so good at talking about it. But I was going to go in the same direction as Logan with Brent Rooker. Oakland baseball, Oakland sports as we know it, it, it's just a beautiful place for any sports team. So much so they all leave for Las Vegas. It's that beautiful. (laughs) It it makes you want to pack up everything and go to Sin City. Hey, I'm, I'm not bashing anything in Oakland right now. Brent Rooker, been on fire as of late and had a great week. Got to give it to him. All right, and that brings us to me. I know uh, MLB Player of the Week, uh, when I joined last year, I think uh, it was a a year ago from last year. It was my first ever show. So this segment really forced me to pay attention to baseball, and I really earned the good graces of Jake Murren until in September I picked a hot dog. 
as my MLB player of the week because Mustard won the Guardians hot dog derby. Uh, and, you know, I've tried to get back on Jake's good graces with this since, uh, but I'm going to burn all bridges right now. Uh, my MLB player of the week, it's not a player, it's a rodent. It is the rally squirrel uh, from the uh, Detroit Tigers uh, St. Louis Cardinals game last night. So, in the bottom of the seventh inning, a squirrel found its way to the pitcher's mound and ran up the uh, de- uh, Tigers pitcher's leg. Uh, the game was delayed for about two minutes as they had to trap the squirrel and get it out of the stadium. Uh, after the squirrel was removed, uh, the Tigers' rotation uh, basically it it had one they had one hit the rest of the game, and it was an infield single on an error. The rally squirrel made the Detroit Tigers pitching uh, phenomenal the rest of the game, and they ended up winning the game in extra innings. Uh, again, striking out all three in the bottom of the tenth inning. So, my MLB Player of the Week is not a player, not even a person. It's a squirrel. <laughs> We should get a rally squirrel out there in Cleveland. Mustard and rally. Oh, we have the rally possum. Remember the day the Browns opened the victory fridges? They found a possum in the stadium. You didn't know that story? You didn't know about the possum? You didn't know about the rally possum? No, sir. Oh, man. We're getting all sorts of, like, Browns tangents today. I love it. Uh, But that's going to conclude our baseball talk. Before we get into hot mic, we have two random college basketball segments. I didn't know where else to put them, so I thought I'd put them before hot mic. Uh, First one, Bronny James son of Akron's own LeBron James has made his college decision. He was down between Ohio State, Oregon, and USC and he chose, drumroll please, the University of Southern California. Such an L. I have so many thoughts on this. Please. This is such an L. Say your thoughts, Logan. Nobody expected this. I thought for sure it was going to be Ohio State or Oregon. Oregon being a huge Nike school, Ohio State being Ohio State. I think LeBron James is the fakest Ohio State fan I've ever seen or heard in my life. You hype up Ohio State. Oh, I would have gone to Ohio State. And my kid, you know, my kid's so good, he's going to go to Ohio State. We have a locker for you in our locker room. Come on, man. Like, influence your kid. So I am so not a fan of USC. I I see why he went there. He's literally playing on the same street as his dad. Yeah. But come on, man. I understand. So you brought Ohio State. I'll give it to him. Ohio State really, really, really was not good this year. Well, you, that you, doesn't help. You bring up like having his locker and everything. So I alluded to last week. I have a few friends at Ohio State that are uh, big in their athletic department. Uh, they have the jerseys made and everything. They were selling them and everything. They had the Bronny James 23 in uh, scarlet and white ready to hit the shelves. They were prepared. They thought it was going to be them. I, how do you lose out on that? I well, again, his family's all in L.A. right now. I think it'd be a different thing if you know LeBron was playing in Cleveland still, and you know his mom and his brother and his sister were sure. up here. But you know, it, it wouldn't make sense for him to go to a place in the state he was born that's not really close to his hometown. You know, the other thing that I heard, an anonymous recruiter from a Power Five school, okay, said. That it was almost impossible to actually speak to Bronny. You had to get through his mom. Everything went through his mom. You had to make appointments. As it, as with, it should be. I mean, yes. again, like as it should be. I mean, like I think a lot of like college recruiters kind of take advantage of like susceptible young minds. I mean, I think that's a good thing for sure. Especially a kid like him, like yeah. name value. They could they could be lying to this kid straight up just to mm-hmm. get his name in their program. Yeah, 
So I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Mitch, anything from you? I know Logan kind of like, Logan and I took over right there. Yeah, there was some strong emotion on that one. Yeah, I felt it. But uh, I am actually upset about it, too. I wish that he came to Ohio State. I just feel like the story behind it and the type of spark that that team needs after a very rough season, I'll just put it like that. And I actually thought he would go to Oregon also over USC because, I don't know, maybe the jerseys and – Oregon is known for their amazing facilities, the colors. I just felt like that means a lot to certain athletes. I thought it might influence his decision a little bit, but I do understand USC. It's right there at home. And when you think about it, it does make perfect sense. I'm not angry at it. I just think Bronny coming to Ohio, it just it felt like a it felt like a story moment. Yeah, it, it I understand that completely. All right. And one last sec- uh, topic before Hot Mike. Ali Ali, officially put on all social medias. He is coming back to the University of Akron for I'm this upcoming home. season. I'm coming home. Yeah, we, so we go from one person that didn't want to come home to someone that does. <laughs> Logan, how are you, man? I'll throw it to you first. It's a great, great pickup for Akron. You know, I heard about this. I heard about this a little bit prior to the announcement. Hey, I was there with you. You were there with me. And I won't disclose my source, although if you're listening, you know who you are. Um, I think this is a really good thing for Akron's locker room. You know, he he tried to head out and try something bigger. It didn't really work out for him, and now he's back with Akron. If Enrique Freeman ends up sticking around, I mean, I hope the best for him. If he gets picked, awesome. That'd be awesome for him. If he's back in Akron, great. I, I'm cool with it either way. But I, Akron's roster is just stacked, and Ali Ali is a huge pickup, especially for chemistry reasons. I, I heard from all – I heard from a – a locker room source that everybody is very excited that he's coming back. Awesome to hear. Mitch, anything from you? Yeah, I'm extremely excited about it, too. Uh, he was one of the players that I actually enjoyed the season before last. Mm-hmm. And we we love to have those really big guys, tall guys, people like Enrique, which, like Logan said, I hope he does get drafted for him because that'd be amazing. And being on an NBA team, you can't downplay that. But right. I part of me also hopes he comes back and I hope he does too. <laughs> we avenge what happened last season with the Dirty Birds and Ali Ali, I think that's going to be a great piece for this team. Yeah. All right, uh and then let's get into hot mic guys. We're right up against the break here. So, first question comes from our super fan, Jake Mernigot. He says, "First player that comes to your mind when I say Cincinnati Reds." And I think of Pete Rose. Because the Reds are bad, and Pete Rose is notorious for gambling on his own team when he was the Reds manager. Joey Votto. Fair enough, fair enough. Next one comes from Logan Buchanan. Uh, he goes, well, he asked, who shocked you guys the most on the NBA playoffs, a team or a single player? Austin Reeves, Lakers. Well, I got to say D'Angelo Russell. Also a good pick. Yeah, I'm going to agree with D'Angelo Russell. All right. All right, next question comes from Akron's own men's basketball player, Evan Wilson. He asked us, what do you make of the Lakers' huge turnaround from game two to three? Does it look better on the Lakers for a 30-point win after a 25-point loss or worse on the Warriors? I think it looks better on the Lakers because it comes back to home court. I, I think that's pretty much like the way it goes. I mean, every time you know you shift location, that should be a blowout win for the team that is coming back home. Absolutely. I agree with that take. Yeah, definitely better on the Lakers. 
All right, next one comes from Zachary Stranton. He asks, it's pretty clear the Guardians' brand of baseball uh, the Guardians used last year isn't as effective this season. To this point, I understand that things can change. Uh, what needs to ta- what needs to change? Trades, lineup shifts, call-ups, etc. What do you do if you're the GM for a day? If I'm the GM for a day of the plethora of young pitchers I've started this year, I'm taking calls on at least three of them. I think... Yep. You have plenty of young assets in the rotation that you can trade right now. I think that's probably where you're going to recoup a lot of talent, so in a lot of consistency. So I'd take that same stance. I would probably look into any any trades that we can make for some of these young pitchers that just aren't what we need right now. Yeah. All right, and then uh, Jim Schkelza asks, which team in professional sports has the best front office? Ooh. I think the first thing that comes to my mind is the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Just after how that draft went and just how Howie Roseman's so good at working trades, I got to say the Eagles. I would say the Eagles or I would say the Miami Heat. And that's not even a joke. No, I... I I would say the Miami Heat. They develop young players. They've had the same head coach for like 20 years at this point. It's... I, I would definitely put the heat on my list in a totally non-biased opinion. Okay. I want to go for a kind of underrated pick here that many people may not think of, the OKC Thunder. Ooh, I like that. They have so many first-round picks right now. They have so many Stay picks. Pressy, like, that's a good they've pick. They've handled Luzi and Paul George and Kevin Durant and Westbrook kind of well. Yeah, and now they have a plethora of young stars. They almost made the playoffs this year already, and it's like supposed to be their second year after a rebuild. And with yeah. all those picks, it's going to be insane. All right, another question from uh, Jim Scalza. He goes, what will it take to get the Guardians' offense going? I think consistency. That's yeah. pretty much it. You're, you're going to need consistent hitting on a day-in, day-out. It can't be one guy's hot, the rest of the lineup's cold. It's got to be stringing hits together. I know that might be a cop-out answer, but I think... That's pretty much all it's going to take right now. All right, and then we have a question for Matt Kapler. Thoughts on Akron's men bas- men's basketball team starting five next year? You know, I think we kind of touched on this here a few moments ago. I yeah. think if Enrique Freeman comes back and Akron's ready to roll, I think Akron has the Mac in the bag, no question. All these transfers, all these signings that we've gotten in the last week are fantastic. Yeah. All right, and we're going to have two more questions, both from Joe Messanino. The first one asked, will Bronny James succeed at USC? Yes, absolutely. I, I would agree with that. And then last one, NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year predictions. Ooh, Matt, you can start. All right, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Anthony Richardson. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Will Anderson. Offensive Rookie of the Year, I'm going to go with Bryce Young. And Defensive Rookie of the Year, I'm going to go Devin Witherspoon. Love both those picks. Love both those picks. That takes us to the end of the first hour of the show. Stick around because in a few minutes we're going to have an hour full of NBA play discussion you will not want to miss it don't go anywhere stay here here on 88.1 welcome back to sports power talk everybody my name is matt permuka and i am your host this sunday we are about to get into an hour of nba playoff talk but before that let me introduce who's on the show with me to my right the token miami heat fan of this group he's going to get into a pretty big tangent here in a couple minutes if i know the guy well enough it's logan congrove oh yes and again, culture. And then, uh, baseball aficionado, Mitch Bates is here too. <laughs> Feels great. How's it going, everyone? All right. Let's get into it, guys. Eastern Conference playoffs. Let's get right into it. Logan, your favorite team, the Miami Heat, 
is taking on the team that knocked the Cavs out of the playoffs, the New York Knickerbockers. So, Heat, uh, Heat won Game 3 the other night, 105-86 to to take a 2-1 series lead over the Knicks. Jimmy Butler finished with 28 points. Max Struess had 19, and Bam Adebayo had 17-12. and 12. As far as the for the Knicks, uh, Jalen Brunson, 20 points, 8 assists. Josh Hart, 15 points, 12 rebounds. And Julius Randle, 10 points, 14 boards. Your guys' thoughts and reactions to Game 3. Jimmy Himmy Butler. Jimmy Butler came back for Game 3. Ready to go. 28 points in 36 minutes. Great showing from Jimmy Butler. Decent showing from Bam Adebayo in in 36 minutes. You know, he had 12 boards. That's know-your-role type stuff. Great from him. Uh, The only thing, the only critique of the heat that I have from this game is why are we giving Kevin Love 23 minutes a game? He started. Yeah, that, I, I'm not a fan of that. I don't like Kevin Love. Why I made did that he very start? Clear. Four points and nine rebounds is trash in 23 minutes. I don't care how much we won by. <laughs> Kevin Love should not be should not be receiving those type of minutes. Another guy that's impressed me as of recently, and I am not high on him at all, is Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, 14 points in 25 minutes with three rebounds and four assists off the bench. Great performance from him. Um, I would consider maybe pushing him back into the starting lineup in place of Gabe Vincent. Because Gabe Vincent did not impress me yesterday. Five points in 30 minutes with only four assists. I would maybe consider giving Kyle Lowry the nod once again. Overall, great showing from the Miami Heat. I'm very, very thrilled with the 2-1 lead. On the Knicks side, though, uh, Julius Randle with 10 points. R.J. Barrett, 14. Jalen Brunson with 20 Mitchell Robinson really did not do much for the for them yesterday. Uh, but I think the main headline of this game is the little spat that Cody Zeller incited between the two teams. I absolutely love that. It, watching watching the New York Knicks big men just push around Jared Allen and Evan Mobley for five games, well, four of the five games, mm-hmm. uh, it made me happy to see you know someone someone retaliate because apparently my two favorite big men can't do that. So good for you. Yeah, good for I, you guys. I loved it. Hey. That's that's what the culture's all about, man. Getting gritty, down and gritty with your teammates. Getting down and gritty in the three hundred five. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's getting it's getting real heated up in the three hundred five. I think I've predicted this before. I knew that the Heat would lose at least one game in this series because it's hard to win in Madison Square Garden. I don't care what anybody says. I think the Heat take this series in five with a max of three. Oh boy. Do you do you want me to play the uh, your your notorious? Yeah, soundtrack? go for it. All right, the culture will get us there. All right, here you go, Logan. This is for you. Culture yeah. will get us there, so okay. it doesn't matter. doesn't matter who's on the f- Indeed, the culture will get us there. Good for you, man. M- must be nice. Must be nice to have a team still in playoff contention. Mitch, uh, your reaction to Game 3 of the series? Yeah, I feel great for Logan over here. And, you know, I don't... You guys said you enjoyed seeing someone retaliate against the Knicks bigs. I actually just don't like seeing it. Because it feels like we Boo. were supposed to be the ones... Did you just say we? That- the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, I thought you were referring to the Knicks. I was like, dude, don't tell me that you're a Knicks fan. No, sir. I just feel like the Cleveland Cavaliers bigs were supposed to be the ones to be able to do it to the Knicks bigs. And, hey, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for Logan. Seeing this much energy in him, it feels great. And Julius Randle obviously could not perform offensively in this game. I think that's a huge factor. Where is his offensive production gone? Like, this guy was... On, on all, he was on Can't all NBA watch. Okay. He's feeling the heat. Okay, was it after his injury? Maybe. Well, I mean, yeah, but like, why come back at all for a well? 
after they took that two one or three one lead on the Cavs, why play him game five? You know, he got it, he that's where he injured himself even worse. Like even the first series, his offensive production has just significantly dropped off. Like like I said earlier, this guy was on all NBA watch, and he's just doing nothing. You know, I think. I, I don't know what's happened to the guy. And even like Jalen Brunson's kind of been the star of the show for New York in the yeah. postseason, which I complete role reversal of how I thought things were going to go. Yeah, Brunson can't carry the offense by himself. And I think that's very evident when you watch this team play. Randall needs to step up. I don't know if it's an injury. I don't, I don't understand what his problem is, but Josh Hart cannot be the second highest scorer for the Knicks in a playoff game. Yeah, they got him for nothing from Portland. Like that was it was a good was deal, a good such a trade, one the Cavs should have made. But it's hey. twelve rebounds too. Yeah, he he crashes the boards. I mean, like even like uh, back to this Cavs series, just because I we're gonna keep dwelling on that. I guess <laughs> uh, Josh Hart. I think it was game four. He out rebounded Jared Allen and Evan Mobley combined. Wow, it's ridiculous. Yeah, he's a guard. Uh, the other two I said were seven feet tall. You know, and Mitch, if I remember correctly, you were a big you were big Julius Randle guy. You liked him. Yeah, huge on him. And he I should have been. He was outstanding during the regular season. Yeah, up until like the middle of March, like he was like he, he was the star of the show in New York. I mean like I thought the Knicks had finals in them. Like that's how good I thought they were. Dude, you would you turn on the four letter network, you know, their center to New York. I mean, they would talk about this guy like he was like prime Anthony Davis <laughs> with the ability to shoot like Larry Bird. Yeah, he was he was doing everything, grabbing your rebounds, playing intense defense, scoring 30 points every other night. He can shoot from three, and it feels like every single factor just went out the window for the playoffs. Yeah, just like last, uh, so in game three, he was 4 of 15 from the field, 0 from 5 from behind the arc. Darius Garland? And 2 Sorry. of 5 from the free throw line. Like, he was just not, he's not himself right now, and like, Again, like you said, he was an incredible shooter throughout the regular season, and it's just it's gone away. It's yeah, sad I think, to see. I think they're just scared of Jimmy. Yeah, that's probably it. You know, I asked I asked this question last night to Mitch. Okay, I would consider. Well, actually, right now, this take is directly from Alex Henry's mouth, and I'm going to steal it. All right. <laughs> I think right now, Jimmy Butler is the best player in the playoffs. Well, okay. So, have you seen like the Jimmy Butler like? calendar meme yeah where it's like yeah it's like uh october through february it's like does this man care about basketball <laughs> and it's like march no it's like february to march like okay he's an all-star snub and then it's you know once the playoffs get it's like this is the second coming of michael jordan give <laughs> this man some help i think right now he's the best player in the playoffs and i think at some point we have to look at jimmy butler as one of the all-time playoff performers i'm talking playoffs strictly all-time playoff performance. Do you think this is one of the things like Pat Riley did with Shaq, where it's like, hey, man, just we'll use like the first four months of the year to get you in shape as long as you're good for the playoffs? It could be. It really that's, – that's part of the system that the Heat play. They, they like to bring guys in that they know might need a little bit of work. And again, like I just – it baffles me how you know, – you guys were the eight seed. Typically, like eight seeds, you know, they're, they're swept in the first round and there's glaring holes on this team. And then – you know, you guys just take care of Milwaukee in five. I mean, albeit Giannis didn't play in game one or two, but I mean, you beat him twice with Giannis. Like, I I don't get how you guys Giannis do it. cry on like, national television was the worst like, excuse I've ever heard in my life. Like, there's there's no other way to describe it other than I I, I believe in heat culture. 
Do you? I believe in it. I, I, I saw Pat Riley. I was oh, watching the game yesterday. They cut to Pat Riley just in like a mafia-style suit. It was like 1980s New York City mafia movie where it's like, doing. yeah, he, he probably has a hit list. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. I'm like, wait, that moment I got scared of Pat Riley who's like in his 70s or 80s. And I'm like, okay. All right. Pat I, Riley is. At that moment, I became a believer. Pat Riley is the greatest thing to happen to the Miami Heat's organization ever. I am officially a Heat culture believer. Not a not an sitting afi- here, not a stand, not an aficionado like Logan here. But Logan, you have like a current update on the culture, though. I mean, you know, yeah, the floor's yours. I brought up your favorite talking point that no one else acknowledged till now. You know the the culture the culture is going good. I think everything that's going for the Heat right now is based off the culture. I'm sitting here with my Marilyn Monroe Miami Heat shirt. You know, you got guys like D Wade who are in the building still coming. He owns the I thought Jazz. He was, oh, he's still there. Yeah, I'm like he owns the Jazz. Yeah, What's he, he came. He's come to the last two games, and he owns the Jazz. Not that they're in the playoffs, but like, dude, dude still supports the Heat, and he owns another team. You got guys coming back to watch like, games. Are you guys cool with Chris Bosh down there? I know he was. Oh kind yeah. Of, okay. Oh yeah. Uh, I went good. to Chris Bosh's jersey retirement in good. Miami. It was awesome. Great guy. I think that's one of the most unfortunate career endings ever. Yeah. I was kind of thinking because you know, like on LeBron's all of like the big three teams, he had like a punching bag, and for us it was Kevin Love, and right. Miami it was Chris Bosh, right? And Lakers it was Westbrook. Like I just, like I was, I was just hoping everything was oh, yeah. eased over there. We love Chris Bosh. Right, good, good, good. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I brought up earlier one of LeBron's punching bags was Kevin Love, and now he's now he's on the Miami Heat, and uh, not a fan. Yeah, yeah, Logan, you know, you posed this question to me earlier in the week, and it's, you know, should the Cavs have bought out Kevin Love? Oh, I really, I posed this question to you without really deciding what my answer was yet. And I'm I'm going to speak on this as as if he has nothing to do with the Miami Heat. He, looking at the series against the Knicks, the Cavs had no bench at all. Yeah. I would have been okay with Kevin Love playing some minutes okay. in that series. But I have However, to, I have to ask you this now though because again we have no bench but you see how he's ineffective this series against the Knicks with a very defined role. If he's not successful with a defined role would he have been successful playing within JB's structure? I don't think the answer is And yet. that's where that's where I differ on my opinion as well. I think what is it that Kevin Love really would have provided that would have made that much of a difference experience and i say that with air quotes because i mean like he would he probably would not have seen more than 10 minutes a game absolutely not he it's such a tough question and i think this is going to be a really fun talking point for the next like as long as miami's in the playoffs because i think was game what was the game you guys won in new york he had 15 and 12 like and he was very efficient he he was decent yeah it's just I don't know. Mitch. I just think the expectations for him. I don't like what people still think that he's like Minnesota Kevin Love. Even exactly. even twenty fifteen Cleveland Kevin Love. I mean, like, he's he just was, not that dude anymore. Like, he's he was just not. so he, like remember like twenty sixteen Kevin Love. Remember he had like thirty eight points in the first quarter or something yeah. like absurd like that, that. He's just not that guy anymore. That's not exactly. his goal. He's too old for that. That's Mitch, not what people should expect. Do you him. have any thoughts on if uh, you know the Cavs should have bought out Kevin Love? You can be the deciding vote here because it's uncertain, uncertain, and. Whatever you decide. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Kevin Love is such an interesting player situation for yeah. me. Because, like, he's so bad when you start him at this point in his career. He's a defensive liability. He's just He gets blown by. 
any he's so inconsistent like mm-hmm. even on offense where he'll miss like 13 shots in one game and the next game oh we'll give you 25 off the bench like just randomly yeah it's such a confusing it, it, it really is i mean i think the miami heat's entire playoff run's been confusing and i you know that uh, their playoff run continues uh monday night 7 30 p.m miami's a four and a half point favorite at home so i'll throw it to you guys what are you expecting to see in game four and can miami take a 3-1 series lead miami can absolutely take a 3-1 series lead i it will not be the same type of blowout that it was last night right i think it's gonna well, even last night, I mean, they, New York was relatively within like twelve yeah. the entire time. That's kind of like your striking distance. I think it'll be say. closer, but I I don't see Miami losing at home at any point. I I agree with you, man. I I I've gone to the dark side right now. Uh, I don't see how Miami loses another game at we home. We accept it's, you with open arms. I, I, but I don't want to be accepted. I'm like agreeing come, with you out of shame. Come on over, Matt. No, it's shameful. We're waiting. No. We're waiting. No. Now, I don't think Miami loses another game. Ooh. Forget forget oh, home boy. games. I don't think they lose right. another game. Oh, I like boy. this show. Right. I we, like this show. We've gone to the dark side. We have gone to the dark side. This is this is not good. This is not good. This All is right. very good. All right. Let's change subject here before we incriminate ourselves anymore. All right. <laughs> sticking with the Eastern Conference playoffs. We have the Philadelphia 76ers taking on the Boston Celtics. Game three was Friday night. The Celtics won 114-102 to take a 2-1 series lead and reclaim home court advantage. Jason Tatum completely redeemed himself from his dud in game two where he had seven points. Uh, Tatum had 27, 10, and five assists on Friday night. Uh, Jalen Brown also chipped in with 23 points, seven rebounds, and five assists. Uh, for the Sixers, Joel Embiid had 30 points and 13 rebounds in 39 minutes of play, and James Harden had 16 points with 11 assists. So I'll get, throw it to you guys first. Uh, your thoughts from Game 3 of this series? Uh, I think prediction-wise, I, I see the Celtics coming out of this series for sure. I think that they're, oh, yeah. they're, just, they're just that much better right now. They're coming out of the East. That's that's been no. my pick. No, that's been no. my pick. I'm resting on it. You're the Celtics are coming out of East. They've this had is, moments where they scare me. This is their Philly. conference. But yeah, I mean, of like, course. They'll they'll just give games away. Like that Atlanta series should not have gone six games. Makes no sense to me how that happened. I don't I don't get it. I I don't know if it's coaching woes, mental lapses of the players, it's just Hey, I don't around. understand it either, but Boston is such a good team. When you really dig into that roster, if everyone's performing at the same time on the same night, that team is unbeatable for anyone in this playoff. I mean, it really is. My buddy, my buddy Joe Barry asked me, he said, why is Philly not winning another game against the Celtics? The Philly is not winning another game against the Celtics because of, for the same reason I find the Heat to be successful, is the same reason I think the Celtics are successful, and that's organizational value, and that's standards of play. Yeah. That's how they carry themselves. Boston is a well-rounded organization that has been there multiple times. Not that Philly has never been there, but they kind of haven't, really. Well, here's the thing with Boston. Like, when you succeed, typically, like, they pulled Brad Stevens from coach to a front office role right. because of that. And, like, you know... And, and now they have... Well, they had Ime Adoka. It's Joe but, Mazzula Yeah, now. but now they have Joe Mazzula, and, I mean... I think Joe Mazzulla is a downgrade from both Brad Stevens and Ime Adoka. But, I mean, I, he's certainly no, you know, he, he's no scrub right now out there. But as, as much as I hot take, as much as I want the Heat to make it, and I think that the Heat will make the finals, <laughs> the script writers are not going to 
not give the chance of Lakers Celtics. Oh come on, you, you know they That's want crazy. you know they want Deuce Tatum to take a selfie with. I the, don't uh, like Deuce Tatum. Deuce Tatum. Dude, he's I don't five. Like Deuce. He's five. Don't, don't make an enemy with a five year old. <laughs> I already again. did two weeks ago. I don't like Deuce. Deuce is. I don't like Deuce. Dude, the kid's in kindergarten. <laughs> he's doing like finger painting. You don't want to make an enemy with a five year old whose dad is like a multi millionaire. Deuce Tatum. If you're listening, no, dude, don't do it. Don't, I don't, don't Logan. Do like no, 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 no. I don't like you, Deuce. Uh, guys, you heard it here first. Logan Congrove has beef with a five-year-old child who's don't dad. like <laughs> Deuce Tatum. What did he do to? Dude, he's five. <laughs> he's just so spoiled and tries to fight people like he's Hezbollah. I mean, his he's dad's five. like a millionaire. Why would he not be spoiled? Weirdo, bro. I'm not a Deuce Tatum <laughs> fan. Oh boy! Like you know, I mean, I I don't think it's uncommon for five year olds to struggle with boundaries Little because weirdo. they're five. Why they give this kid a locker in the Celtics locker room? Because and why does he hate Grant Williams? What did Grant Williams do to him? He's five. He doesn't have. <laughs> he doesn't have to justify this. He's a child. I don't like Deuce. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we're, we're gonna stick with this but not talk about a five-year-old child <laughs> instead let's talk about a seven-foot monster of an nba basketball player joel Embiid. uh joel Embiid was named the mvp of the uh national basketball association this past week uh he was a finalist the past three years losing to no- uh, nikola Jokic uh in 2022 and 2021 so you guys thoughts on Embiid finally getting his long-awaited mvp trophy well deserved i he was my pick from the beginning Joel Embiid has had the best season of his career. You know, he's had the he's got the story behind him. What a journey he's had to get to this point. Joel Embiid is definitely one hundred percent deserving of this award. Trust the process, baby. Indeed, it feels like you continue to say he's had his best season of his career. Like as the years go on, exactly. Yes. Like when it, uh, when it was him or Jokic for those MVPs, it's like, but Embiid just had the best season of his career. It's going to keep happening. But Embiid just had the best season of his career. Yeah, and, and he, he is the heart and soul of that team. Oh yeah, like that team lives or perishes upon Joel Embiid. Well, no, I, I need to pose this question because game one of the series, Embiid did not play. And the Sixers won that series on the road in Boston with James Harden having a vintage performance. He had 45 that night. So, I mean, like, you guys think it's possible that Embiid just might not be the best matchup for the Sixers against the Celtics team? Or like, or, or do you think that's kind of just a fluky one-off thing? Yeah, I'm taking the one-off there. And James Harden, vintage performances, we're not getting many of those anymore. The funny and thing, did you see uh, before that... Uh, he he actually did go to a nightclub. Really? There's yes. There's photos of and videos of him walking out of a nightclub in Las Vegas. So after they won their first series, he went to Vegas the night before Game One, flew back, and dropped forty five in the Garden. That's insane. I I don't even know what to make of that. There is like you know it's like hoodie mellow club James Harden headband LeBron like the most unstoppable forces in uh. In the league NBA history. Yes. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. But I that's a one off to me. And hey, I'm impressed with him. And if they can continue no, actually I don't want that. Because I got Boston all the way. So I'll I'll stick with the one. Not beating the Heat. Uh they will. All right. Well all right, Logan, I'm gonna pose the same question to you. Like what do, what do you take of, you know, Embiid not playing in game one and then winning that game and then obviously the Sixers have struggled since he's returned in the series um 
I think that Embiid's impact. Oh, this is hard to like put in word. I know. Embiid's, I, yeah, it's such a tough. Embiid's impact impact on the 76ers is just so astronomical, but it's not going to be enough to beat Boston. That's the way I put it. I, I get so like how long do you think the series goes then? I think I don't see the Sixers winning again. I think that's very fair. I mean, like, uh, so you know, game four is today. I mean, Boston's a two and a half point favorite. I think that's too generous to Philly. Agree. Yeah, I, I do. Like, I totally be, agree. I, I I really don't know what to make of this. And you know, we talked about Embiid's. Uh, health a little bit. He missed game one of the series. He's had a lingering foot injury since the end of the regular season, and he re-aggravated it against the Brooklyn Nets in their first-round series. Uh, so, you know, how do you think this has affected Embiid? Because, you know, obviously he missed game one. Uh, game two, he was on a heavy minutes restriction, only played 27 minutes. Uh, he played 39 last night, though. Uh, so, you know, like, how, how do you see this affecting the league MVP? Mm, it, it's interesting. Uh as far as the series and affecting him in that way, it's, in my opinion, it's already over with. And I I can actually see the Sixers winning another game. And I know you two can't see that, but I think they could win another game and push it to six. I mean, yeah, like, how does that work? Because, I mean, you don't the think way, the they way you beat it? Boston is you have to attack Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Like, I know those guys are very decent defenders, but if you get past them once... You can consistently start to pick on them. I think that's why, like, the Cavs had success against a team like Boston this year as opposed to Phillies because they were guard dominant. Like, I look at James Harden's 45-point night game one. I'm like, you know, Harden had to attack Brown and Smart and Tatum because that was their only option, and I think that's why we got a vintage James Harden performance. But, I mean... I don't think you can beat the Celtics by slowing the pace down with a stretch big and getting Embiid ideal matchups in the post. I just don't think that's an effective means of beating the Celtics. I think Embiid was guarded very well against the Nets in the last series, too. Oh, I know. I, yeah. that, that shouldn't have been a sweep. I mean, the Nets blew two of those games. It's just their offense. That was what the problem was with the Nets. You would see, like, they would get the chance, they would get the stop, and then... They just couldn't it's score. It's a random. It's such a random. They go possession. on random dry runs in the fourth quarter. Dinwiddie yeah. throws up a layup over two people. That's, it's that just sounds right. But yeah, I think, I think it would be another like random fluke win of oh let's see Tyrese Maxey drop like twenty five. James Harden goes for twenty four. Yeah, they steal a game upon elimination, something like that. But I think it'll be a fluke either way. I, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, and I gotta ask. So, you know, I, I think. In a lot of people's eyes, this series is the Eastern Conference Finals. Milwaukee was a lot of people's pick to win the conference. And then, you know, the Miami Heat took them out. Uh, so, you know, I have to ask, I think we all agree Boston's winning this series. So I'll word it this way. Are the Celtics still your favorite to win the Eastern Conference Finals? And I'll put it to even the NBA Finals. They never were for me. <laughs> never were. You still won't be. The Heat are still coming out of the East. Well, you, you you went into this postseason on pure delusion, and it just turned out you guessed right. I'm just <laughs> I'm just him with the with the with the picks. You no, know? it's just it's just bias. I did the same thing in 2020. <laughs> Everybody clowned me for saying that the Heat were going to make the finals, and, and they, they made lost the finals. In five. Doesn't matter. They made. I said they would make it. I I made that prediction in 
When did COVID hit in so 2020? March? Hit, so COVID hit March 13th, but the finals were played in October. Okay, I made that pick because I was still in school my senior year. I made that pick in August of my senior year. So almost a year before that actually happened. So August of 2019. Correct. All right. Just trust him, That guys. did happen. Trust him. That did happen. Oh, I, was there. Was in I was class. there to see it. I was there to see it. It did happen. It okay, was insane. so we have an eyewitness account here. Okay, this actually did happen. Yes, All right, so, uh, it did. So. I'm going off the same instincts this year. Yeah, the I Miami don't. Heat. Mm. Okay. Yes. Also, so. before we switch topics, I don't actually hate Deuce Tatum. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. Deuce is a very lovable kid. Okay. <laughs> Let's make that clear. Right. Let's well, just make that clear. So is... So, all right, uh, you think Miami's coming out of the East just on pure pure delusion. So, uh, yep. are they your favorite to win the finals? Yep. All right, saying I'm it now. I'm sticking with it. May 7th, 12.27 p.m., Logan Congrove predicts the Miami Heat to Clip win it. the NBA Finals. If I knew how to do that, I would. It's going to be a re- It's going to be a replay of 2020. Heat. Uh, You're going to lose the Lakers now that my Kings. Would, now that my Kings pick is done. I would love Bron Bron to get a fifth ring. I'd, heat I'd Lakers. <laughs> I, heat I'm Lakers. all in. Sign me up. Heat Lakers, and I'll vouch for both teams on this. If it's Heat Lakers, if that's really what it ends up being, that proves that the bubble was not a fluke. Because everybody love, says there was a fluke. I, if Heat, if it's Heat LeBron Lakers, it's a not fifth a fluke. Ring. How did you? How did you talk me back into siding with you? How <laughs> this has been such an emotional roller coaster. This segment, man. It's like I I was reluctant to agree with you, and then it's like I agreed with you, and then you like had a quasi beef with a five year old, and then it's like. I don't want to agree with you, but now I'm agreeing with him again. I yeah. I don't know why people aren't talking about Denver that much, though. Like, why is oh, no one talking about Denver right they're now? They're boring. Oh, we're going to get into it, buddy. They're boring, Next but they're segment, good. We're going to get into it. I, I promise. But, yeah, I think that's going to take us to the end of this NBA discussion for the Eastern Conference. Tune in pretty soon. We're going to get right to the Western Conference. Don't go anywhere here on 881. To Sports Power Talk, everybody. My name is Matt Vermuka. I'm your host, and we are in the final half hour of the show, and we're going to get into all things Western Conference playoffs. And, uh, you know, joining me alongside this wonderful show so far, it's been Logan Congrove. How's it going? And Mitch Bates. How's it going, everyone? All right, guys. One more segment. Western Conference playoffs. Let's get right into it. Let's get right into the Denver Nuggets and Phoenix Suns series. Game three was on Friday night with the Phoenix Suns winning a 121 to 114. Uh, the ser- well, Denver still leads two games to one after winning both games on their home court. Uh, Chris Paul missed the game with a groin injury, uh, but it really didn't matter for Phoenix. Kevin Durant had 39 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. Devin Booker had 47 points and 9 assists while shooting 20 of 25 from the field. Uh, and, but they were a two-man show. They were the only Phoenix Suns to hit double digits. And as far as Denver goes, uh, Jamal Murray had 32 points and five assists, and Nikola Jokic, a 30-point, 17-assist, 17-rebound, triple-double in what I thought was the most entertaining game from this past Friday. Your guys' thoughts on Game 3 of this series? Yeah, this was extremely entertaining, especially with I didn't think that the Suns would have much of a shot without Chris Paul playing, but Devin Booker decided he was going to show out Fantastic for Devin Booker. 47 points, as you mentioned. And then another downfall, like you said, is that obviously Kevin Durant was the only other player in double digits. I'm looking for a lot more from DeAndre Ayton in the future. um, And hopefully Chris Paul comes back soon. But on the Nuggets side, I think where the Nuggets struggled was 
they needed more from Aaron Gordon, especially. 39 oh, minutes yeah. with 9 points and only 7 rebounds is, is abysmal. I think for he was also like 3 Gordon. of 13 from the field, too. Like, uh, yeah, Aaron Gordon was uh, not helping their cause there. No, not at all. And I think, I think Denver, I mean, they were kind of poised to take this one. Like, Jokic and Jamal Murray both having 30. I mean, like, Jokic, 30, 17, and 17. Like, that was going to be, like his chance to just prove to everyone, like, you know, I, I am the best player in this league, regardless right. of who won the MVP. Just didn't fall that way. No, no. Mitch, any thoughts from you on Game 3? Yeah, it was... It's a little upsetting seeing that I've been pushing heavy for the Nuggets since the postseason started. But I think it's okay. And I think we're going to count on Aaron Gordon not performing like that in the rest of the series, but he's such an on-and-off player sometimes. He's that standard role player, good at home, question mark on the road. Exactly. And feels like a little bit of Chris Payton from Kent State, what you get from him. Oh, boy. But I'm not going to bring that guy jab. I love the subtle <laughs> jab. I was not expecting that today. Hey, you know i got to give one to anyone on Kent State. But as far as the Nuggets, I think they still have the series in control. But when you're playing a team that has Kevin Durant, you you cannot allow momentum to yeah. even begin in his favor. And you, uh, what Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, obviously, they showed out. And so this kind of brings me into this question. You know, I posed this to you guys on the outline. Uh, how would Phoenix hold up without Chris Paul? I think they're a much better team to win this series without him. Wow. Because I think Chris Paul is more of the ceremonial you know, set up the offense. But like playoff basketball, it's evolved so much to just having a big wing player like your Devin Booker or your Kevin Durant just score in isolation situations. And I think basically all Phoenix did was, okay, you guys are bringing the ball up. It's going to be you on ice. You're going to run isolation this offense. And it worked. I think you know, not having Chris Paul, it kind of just, you know, cut the unnecessary formalities of setting up an offense. And it, sa- you know, it saves you time on the shot clock. And, I mean, they both went off. I mean, Devin Booker, 80% from the field in a playoff game. That is unheard of. That's outrageous. Probably, like, that is like 2K, you're on fire. You have, like, you're playing on rookie mode. Like, <laughs> absolutely insane. Like, and he was also 5 of 8 from 3, too. I mean, like, he missed two shots from inside the arc. Just absolute masterclass by Devin Booker. Finally got the Kardashian curse off of him, <laughs> and it's, he's showing out. Yeah. Phoenix is so talented. I mean, they have so much, like, pure player talent. And yeah, Chris Paul needs, if he's going to play in the series, he needs to be that grit and assist player. I don't need Chris Paul trying to but throw I, up seven like, threes a game. I don't think he could really be he's he's in his like late thirties now. Like he's thirty seven, thirty eight. Like I, I don't think the series is built for him necessarily. You no. put him you put him against like a Lakers or a uh Warriors where there's a more traditional uh you know, need for point guard play. I just think the series is a really bad matchup for him because Jamal Murray in games one and games two was having his way with him. And I think just taking Chris Paul out of it, it just it, it basically emphasizes just getting Devin Booker and Kevin Durant the ball. For sure. I think, think the series might be one of the rare addi- uh, occurrences of addition by subtraction. Do you think that after this season, is Chris Paul still somebody that the Suns are considering to be a part of their future plans, especially considering well, his age? If it were me, well, here's the thing. So my like, answer would be no. 
I, I get where that's coming from, but like at the same time, I don't see necessarily a need to replace him because you're getting average point guard play. And I think you can find average point guard play pretty much any offseason. So I think... I also think I think like Chris Paul's exit from Phoenix is going to be more on Chris Paul's own terms. Yeah, unless, for sure. Unless he just like completely falls off a cliff, uh, I I think I feel like when Chris Paul was brought into Phoenix, his purpose was to be the veteran guy. Well, now they have Kevin Durant, and now at this point, Devin Booker is a veteran. Yeah, I don't think Chris Paul's role yeah. really matters as much anymore. Yeah, completely agree with that. Uh, I don't know. Anything more, Mitch? Yeah. Um, it's just, it's going to be tough for that team with or without Chris Paul, I believe. And I do like DeAndre Ayton. I am going to advocate for him in most situations, but not in this one. No, he's getting bullied. Jokic is bullying him. And he, had four po- he had four points last night. I mean, nine rebounds, but I mean. That's what Jokic does to people. I like know, the best centers in the league. What, what makes Jokic so good is that he can win his own individual matchup and then make it easier for somebody else. Because, I mean, obviously, he's bullying Aiton, so, you know, someone's going to slide in. And he is so good at finding just the open player for the assists and everything. He makes everyone else's job so much easier. Look at what he's doing for Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. Well, outside outside of last night, but, like, I I get that. Game uh, game one and game two, oh, yeah. It's it's absolutely crazy. Like, and, like, even Michael Porter Jr., too, like, it's crazy how good Jokic is. I'm, I'm glad he's getting, you know, a lot of national attention this series. Uh, but, you know, going back to Kevin Durant here, uh, you know, the past few years, he's changed teams at whim. That's kind of his calling card here. What would a loss in this series to a borderline less talented Denver Nuggets team do for Durant's overall legacy? I don't think it changes much. Kevin Durant was traded here halfway through the year, and... I wouldn't fault Kevin Durant for their loss either. I don't think anybody pins a series loss to the Nuggets on Kevin Durant. That's that's my take on it. I think Kevin Durant, although I think, I mean, he already, in my humble opinion, already torched his own legacy by going to the, the Warriors in 2016 right. or 2017. Yeah, I, it I was mean, 16. Yeah, it was 16. 2016, yeah. They won he, in 17, but yeah. I think he did that. He did his own legacy dirty right there. There's not in my if as a basketball fan, there's no coming back from that for him. So anything he does from this point on can't make it worse. I think he can just improve. That's completely fair, Mitch. Anything? Yeah. There's no impact for losing this series to his legacy, but it does feel like Kevin Durant's always the guy that oh, I'm just going to leave for a super team. Like it feels like that's always what he attempts to do. Yeah. It started with. Golden State, and then people, some people forget. Everyone thought that that Brooklyn Nets team was a super team. Well, I mean, like they were, they just never played together. Never I think they played together. like 20 games together in three seasons. Like when they did play, they broke every efficiency metric known to man. Like the very rare times they were all on the court together, it quite literally was the most unstoppable basketball team ever measured by next gen stats. But yeah, and it, again, nothing ever came of that. Yep, leaving out of there, joining yet another super team with Phoenix. I I hope he doesn't try to up and leave again. For well, I mean, he's under contract for three more years. I mean, like, well, if anyone can complain and force a trade, I feel like he's at the top of that list. Oh, I mean, Kyrie just—that's a dirty duo when you're oh, Kyrie, gotta complain I mean, about something. I, Kyrie's his own entity. I I don't, I don't know if that's fair. <laughs> Their legacies are as. 
it's just I hate that there's question marks next to their legacies because they're such great players. But it's I know, but you have to like the like their overall existence as an NBA player, their reputation is very much tainted. Like when like because that's one thing about like modern day sports. It's like we pay as much attention to what people did off mm-hmm. the court as much as they did on the court. I mean, like think of Antonio Brown exactly. Well, I was going to go with, like, nobody knocks Dennis Rodman for being <laughs> right. a partier because people really didn't know he was partying. Uh, right. Uh, that's, I just, Antonio, Antonio Brown. <laughs> no, that's what oh, I think boy. of. Okay. Just, with such a good player on the field, though. He was so good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And let's close out this topic on this series uh, with... I. Uh, your guys' favorites to win the series after three games, if it's Denver, are they your favorite? In the, well, is the winner of the series your favorite in the West or your favorite to win the finals? Nope. And we'll get to the series that has my Western Conference right. favorite. Well, so who's your favorite to win the series, though? After the series? Um, I'm still going to go with the Nuggets. I think that the Nuggets are just the stronger team here. Yeah, Mitch. 100% Denver in six. All right, I'll make it three for three. Uh, I agree Denver's most like most equipped to win this series. Game four of that will be tonight at 8 p.m. The Suns are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. All right, but let's take us into what I think is probably the most entertaining storyline of this entire playoffs. It is the Los Angeles Lakers taking on the Golden State Warriors. Game three was last night. The Lakers took a 2-1 series lead. It was a back-and-forth game early on. Uh, Golden State had a 40-29 lead with 7.35 left in the second quarter, but the Lakers finished the half on a 30-8 run to go up at halftime. Uh, they kept their foot on the gas in the second half. They won 127-97. to Anthony Davis had 25 points, 13 rebounds, and 4 blocks. LeBron had 21-8-8, and D'Angelo Russell had 21 points as well. Steph Curry was the only Warrior to eclipse 20 points, and he finished with 23 points and 4 rebounds. So, your guys' thoughts from Game 3 of this series? I thought Game 3 was exactly what I thought it was going to be when the Lakers got back home. Um, I... I I think the Lakers are probably the best seven seed in NBA history. There's I think no, that's very fair. No question. Well, no other seven seed had LeBron James on it. <laughs> no. LeBron James automatically makes any roster that he's on a one seed in everybody's eyes. I don't care what the seeding actually says. LeBron James makes your team competitive no matter what. Exactly. So this, the outcome of this game didn't surprise me at all. I think that my pick to win this series is the Lakers. It's been the Lakers. And I don't see... I, I know you're going to mention it later. I think the LeBron and Steph rivalry has got to be one of the best in sports in any aspect. I, I think it has to be just on the Mount Rushmore of rivalries. I mean, I don't. Like, it eclipsed half a decade from 2015 to now. We've been seeing it. It's been almost eight years of this exist, like of this rivalry existing. It, it's been phenomenal, Mitch. Your thoughts on Game Three before we get into any sort of specifics? I saw this coming definitely, and I think the Lakers could be. I like I wouldn't be shocked if the Lakers took it all the way to the finals and even won the finals because I think people talk about LeBron James a ton when you bring up the Lakers and I think the X factor for the Lakers is actually Anthony Davis. I agree with that completely. I think Anthony Great Davis is the, is the he's the best player on the LA Lakers team. If not if it's not Anthony Davis, Nik- him or Nikola Jokic are the best player in the NBA playoffs right now. Anthony Anthony Davis Jokic and Jimmy Butler are the top three players in okay. the postseason right 100%. now. I can respect that. 
He just needs to be consistent. I I don't like seeing games where Anthony Davis falls off a cliff or just randomly gets hurt. Game, and then the like next game, game two, he, no, yeah, game one, he had what thirty and twenty three. Game four, he, I mean, sorry, game two, he's held under, he's held to under twenty. And then last night, he has twenty five and thirteen. Like it's, it's so random, and he's so good. Anthony he's incredible. Davis. I think people really forgot how good he was. He was one of the. He was probably the most dominant power forward of the 2010s. People just don't realize that because he was on uh, the New Orleans. Now he's under LeBron. That's why. And he came under LeBron, and when he got his ring, it was in the bubble, and no one really looked at it. They looked at it more as LeBron's fourth instead of Anthony Davis's first. Correct. I think if the Lakers win this ring, I think Anthony Davis is going to be the Finals MVP. I think this completely. I think this completely changed. The Heat are going to win the Finals, but (laughs) I think this complete like this would completely change how Anthony Davis is viewed in like the all time like even players of the decade thing. Like I think he wins a second championship. He's probably debated with Kevin Durant more than like Kevin Durant could be debated with LeBron. If that makes any sense, I can see that. Yeah. I think the biggest storyline from this series so far, though, is Clay Thompson's play. Clay oh, Thompson was abysmal in Game Three. He was five for fourteen at one point, three for nine from three. And Wasn't he like eight for eleven in yes. Game Two as well from three? And he made the comment that he's waited twelve years to play for the to play against the Lakers in the playoffs. This is what you waited for to do this. Yeah, Clay, man, Clay Thompson has not been the same since his injury. No, I, well, I mean. Tearing your Achilles at 31. Of course. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's and I wouldn't right. expect him to be some star caliber player, but dude is playing so average, and he's still talking like he's some sort of star. That's another thing with the Warriors. They just don't quit talking. Draymond no. Green, Clay Draymond Thompson, Green will get they ejected. They just and talk then... and talk and talk. What You're not helping your case when you're not, you're not performing on the court. You just look like, in a sense, you look like Dylan Brooks. If you're gonna if you're gonna talk oh and not perform on the floor, <laughs> oh. you are essentially the same thing as Dylan Brooks. Wow. And Dylan Brooks has been getting slandered, and as he should, but you are doing the same things that Dylan Brooks did. Well, and nobody clowns you thing. because you're no, the Warriors. Draymond will talk to the media. Dylan Brooks hides. Draymond Green, if he, if he gets ejected and has a terrible game, he'll go right onto his podcast and just make all sorts of excuses. I mean, like yep. they don't hide from the smoke. I mean, they have four rings. They really there's not really any consequences for them saying something stupid like Dylan Brooks. Right. But um anyway. What were we even talking about before this? Like excuses, the, the war. Oh, Clay Thompson's inconsistencies. Yes. Uh, let's get into another guy I think has probably been even more inconsistent, uh, and that's Jordan Poole. Ooh, yeah. Uh, game Ooh. one, uh, he played 30 minutes. He was, scored 21 points and was 6 from 11 from 3. Uh, if you recall, it was a one-possession game with the, <laughs> with the clock dwindling down. Jordan Poole gets the ball near half court and says, I'm going to shoot this. There is 12 seconds left. He's from, like, that small advertisement line. He is from, like, what, 35 feet? There's 11 seconds left, and he just pulls up, and he misses so terribly. Steve Kerr looks at him like, what did you just do? I think this is like retribution from when like J.R. Smith forgot the score. Like that was that type of so blunder. Bad. Did you see uh, Tyrese Halliburton's take that he would have taken the shot? And Channing Fry was well, like Tyrese hey, Halliburton's not in the play. That's what <laughs> not even Channing Fry said, and that's why you're on this broadcast with us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love Channing. Oh man, but yeah, even so. I mean, I think that probably 
uh, hurt his chances of getting more playing time. And his minutes have decreased since Game 2. He played 16 minutes, only scored 6 points. Uh, in Game 3 last night, he played 22 minutes, but went 2 of 9 from the field, only scored 5, and but he had 6 assists. I mean, the Warriors are just some of the most inconsistent guards right now. Like, Jordan Poole. They paid Jordan Poole, what, $140 million mm-hmm. his in the offseason? His postseason numbers from last year, he was averaging 17 points per game, 50.8 field goal percentage, 2.3 three-pointers per game, and 39.1 was his field, three like point he field would, goal percentage. He was their sixth man mm-hmm. in that finals. And like this, he was a huge factor as to why they won that series. Absolutely. In this playoffs, he's averaging 11.6 points per game and 35.5 field goal percentage. A huge drop-off from the 50.8. The main character moment... Like I, Again, I kind of want like the blind confidence to say, I'm going to make this about me and just shoot from 37 feet out with plenty of time left on the clock yeah, yeah. he so, wanted to be a hero and it didn't work that was i was gonna say i wish there was more ways to say how bad of a shot selection that was it's it was there's like, so many reasons why i don't think like the, NBA, the nba 2k poor uh, shot selection would not do that justice like it's just why why are you the only way i could it? describe that or words i cannot say on these airwaves <laughs> why is he the one taking that shot i don't think he was supposed to be he just caught the ball and said no there's no chance he, he was said, supposed to be he, he said this is my moment steve and kerr's then, gonna call the play for jordan Poole. oh yeah just take a half quarter it's like you just <laughs> like, you just see steph and clay both running up on the perimeter to catch the ball and he's just nope Draymond needs turn. to punch him again, dude. What are, you doing? <laughs> Just, what are you doing right now? Oh, no. It was Jordan Pooley punched, right? Yep. Yeah, this isn't oh, your series, no. buddy. Oh, oh my gosh. It's got it. He got to... Just know his role a little more. I know you want to perform for all the baddies in the crowd. We get it. <laughs> but it's not your series. I love the Jordan Poole slander right now. <laughs> I don't Mitch, even... This is, the, this is the funniest stuff you said. <laughs> it's just... He has to know whose series it is. This is not oh. the Jordan Poole versus the Lakers oh. series. This is Steph this is Curry. Jo- this is Jordan Poole versus himself. Hey, Mitch, <laughs> it's so hard. That reminds me. Your dog is safe. My dog is safe. The Kings are not competing in the NBA playoffs anymore. Mitch gets to keep his dog. She's okay. coming home. I don't, even, <laughs> I don't even know about this bet. I don't Mitch know if said I that know. if the Kings and Sixers, that was Pat's finals prediction. Mm. If the Kings and Sixers would have been in the finals, he would sell his dog. So the dog is safe. Dog is safe. You're you're safe, buddy. Okay, well, (laughs) (laughs) game four of this series uh, takes place tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Lakers are three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Uh, Your guys' thoughts on how we could see game four play out? Well, I think it will be more of the same for the Lakers, but I don't think it will be to that degree that it just was because that was outrageous. And... It's it's such a polar opposite flip from what happened the game before to that game. And I feel like the Lakers now have all the momentum. They're going to carry it in here. Mm-hmm. I think they get another win. And I don't know if I see the Warriors winning another game. I think it's very possible because any team with Steph Curry, like I, I can't say enough about him as yeah. a player. And I think it's very possible this series could even go seven, and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think Monday night is probably going to be the game of the series unless it does go to seven. I mean, like, this is do or die for Golden State. You cannot go down 3-1. Are we going to get a game six clay this year? Or is that just We had game six clay in the first round, and he just was bad. (laughs) Game six clay is more of... 
Clay, Clay that game six. Clay is dead. Game six pool. <laughs> what do we yeah, do? Okay. Oh boy. Oh boy. I would. Oh Jordan Pool. Oh Jordan Pool. Uh, but <laughs> all right. So you, I think you guys both said you think the Lakers are going to win this series. Uh, do you think they could beat Denver or Phoenix? Yes. Yes. I think the Lakers can beat both of those. Both of those teams. All right. Agreed. I wouldn't right. mind seeing. For entertainment value, I hope that the Suns come out of it because a Western Conference Finals between Durant and LeBron would be the would be interesting. I'd love to see it. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to switch things up a little bit. We're going to go with a stick with the Lakers, but go a little bit off the court. So, on a podcast recently, Patrick Beverly was talking, and he said uh, Russell Will- Russell Westbrook. I sorry, uh, texted him if the Lakers win the championship, I want a ring. All right, and so I'm going to pose this question to you guys and to our listeners for our Around the Rue. Should players who are traded midseason receive a championship ring if the team they left won the, won the finals? Or- Hard no. Hard no. I've always thought this is weird. That's really how you want to win your ring? I think it's different. I don't know. Because if you didn't play in the playoffs or the finals that you won the ring in, why do you get a ring for it? It doesn't make sense to me. I'm absolutely opposed to it. I've always thought this, like when Anderson Barajow went and got a ring. See, that was my example for why I would be okay with it because he left the Cavs in 2016 to go to the Warriors, and then you know, and then when he came back to the Cavs, the Warriors won the finals, and he kind of got duped out of any ring in those four years. I'm I'm just not for it, especially guys like Westbrook and Beverly who didn't really contribute all that much for the Lakers. No, I, I understand that notion completely. I think it's 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 kind of a cop out. Like I That's how you want your I, ring. I don't think they should be able to call themselves a champion. Yeah, how, you didn't play in the series that won you the championship. Exactly. So. I think it like goes deeper than that. I think the Lakers are a perfect example with Russell Westbrook and then you think Patrick Beverly, people like that. This team that before the trade deadline was playing for the Lakers and the team after, those are two completely different teams. Yeah, like the Lakers didn't hit 500 until March. It they was are not so the same bad. team at all. Yeah. It's a completely different team. I mean, like Rob Polinka had the trade deadline of his life. I mean, he got Hachimura, D'Angelo Russell. I mean, but like the, the point still stands. That Lakers team that started the season in October would get absolutely gobsmacked by this Lakers team. If they right stayed now. there. And played the season out with that roster, they're not making the playoffs. No, they at all. They barely made the play in. With the no, cur- I mean, well, they needed a second. If they would have stood pat, though, we would not be watching the Lakers right now. Yeah, exactly. I, I I agree with that completely. So we'll have that up on our Twitter right after the show ends. Uh, a couple more miscellaneous NBA headlines: uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, after their embarrassing exit to the Miami Heat in the first round of the playoffs, they have fired head coach Mike Budenholzer. Uh, Budenholzer won the ring with Milwaukee in 2021, and he is now a free agent. So I'm going to ask you guys uh, initial thoughts on this, and where do you think Coach Budenholzer will be next season if he decides to return to coaching next year? Ring culture is terrible. That's what my thought is on this. And Damian Lillard brought it up best. He said, man, we're just firing guys out here for not winning the chip one year. Because now the last, I think, last four, Frank Vogel, 2020, fired. Mike Budenholzer, 2021, fired. Nick Nurse, 2019, fired. Steve Kerr is the only championship coach in the past four series that is still employed. That's crazy. 
That's that is crazy. I think ring culture is destroying basketball. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mike Budenholzer definitely did not manage the Bucks very well in that series against the Heat, right? That, or at all, really, this season. Yeah, but I just think that I don't know. I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have given up that quick on him. Yeah, Mitch. Any thoughts from you? That's how coaching has been going with a ton of sports recently, and I, I can't get behind it at all. You'll see, like in the NFL, where coaches will get jobs and it'll be a complete turnaround like it'll be a terrible team and they'll get fired first year halfway through the year yeah like because you couldn't turn around a team in one year and here's the thing the bucks just won the championship and we were just talking about him being a top three coach in the nba Mm -hmm. because of the bucks success with him as their coach and teams are not giving these coaches long enough to establish a run there's there's no run being created because it's either you're good in two or three years or you're out and in this situation it's either you sustain that dominance that you had or one year you're out that's what it is with coaching i I completely agree with everything you guys said i think this has a this has a lot to do with ring culture all right one last question because we got about a minute left if you're the Cavs. Would you replace J.B. Bickerstaff with Mike Budenholzer? Nope. I don't want Mike Budenholzer. I, my original opinion was yes, and now it's no. Nope. Oh, boy. I don't like J.B., but that's not the right move. Mitch, what would you do if you were the Cavs? Yeah, I'm staying away from Budenholzer. I don't think it solves many of their current problems. I, I agree with you guys. I would keep J.B. Bickerstaff. Guys, that's going to take us to the end of our show today. Thank you all for listening. Uh, any final thoughts before we leave, gentlemen? Logan, I'll throw it to you first. Go Heat. Mitch, anything from you, man? Uh, Go Nuggets. Why not? All right. Well, (laughs) uh, thank you all for listening. We appreciate the support. Uh, Make sure to tune in next to Entertainment Rebooted. They have a great show planned for you guys. And tune in next week to Sports Power Talk. Same time, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Signing off is Matt Ramuka. Mitch Bates. All right. Have a good one, Akron. Enjoy the nice warmer weather, maybe. Indeed.